Hi, welcome to More Like the Reentry Podcast, a podcast about offender reentry, reform, and advocacy. And I'm your host, Vankivia Garner. Thank you for joining me today. So we are back with another episode in our Women's History Month um, series, As a Woman. If you didn't get to listen to any of our other episodes, just make sure you go back to the previous week. Um and check those episodes out. A lot of great information learning about women and their uh, reentry experiences um, and just how to better support them as they're coming from incarceration to the community. Um, so for today's episode, we're still going to be in that area. We're still talking about women, um, but today we're going to be specifically talking to an organization that works with women. Um justice-involved women, women transitioning from incarceration to community. Um, They offer a lot of services for just generally justice-involved women, but our primary focus will be talking about women's reentry. So to represent, well, before we talk about representing, this organization is the Benedict Center. Um, Miss Katie Lynch will be representing this organization, but before I, I allow Miss Katie to come in and give a little bit of information about herself, I do want to tell y'all what the Benedict Center is. Um, so this is a center that is an interfaith nonprofit dedicated to helping women affected by the criminal legal system um, to find hope and lead safer and healthier lives, while at the same time advocating for a system of justice that is fair and treats everyone with dignity and respect. Um, so I do want to thank Miss Katie for coming on and just talking about um, the program, the center. Um, I will mention Miss um, Katie is the associate director of the Women's Reentry Program. So I'm, she has a lot of information that she can share with us, uh, as well as personal information, well, personal experience and um information about the program. So thank you, Miss Katie. Um, and if you want to introduce yourself, here, here, here we go. All right. Thank you so much, Van Kivia. I'm really excited to be here. I really appreciate you reaching out and giving, giving myself and Benedict Center the opportunity to share a little bit about what we do. So um, a little bit about me is, like you said, my name is Katie Lynch. I am a licensed clinical social worker and I have been working um, with Benedict Center for over 10 years now. I started off a long time ago <laughs> as a, an intern, as a bachelor level intern. And then after I got my graduate degree, I was asked to come back on um, at Benedict Center. So I started working at our Women's Harm Reduction Program, which is our mental health and substance use outpatient treatment facility. And I was the DPA coordinator there, and that's that means deferred prosecution agreement. Um, and so working with women in early intervention, um, meeting the agreements that they have in the contract with the court, as well as addressing mental health and substance substance use needs that they that they had while at um working with us at Benedict Center. And then um, a few years after that, I was, I received a promotion, um, which is into my current position as the associate director of our women's reentry program. And I have been in this position for about um, over seven years now. And yeah, so I uh, run our, our women's reentry program at the Community Reintegration Center, CRC. It is formerly known as the Milwaukee County House of Correction. 
So that's a little bit about me. Um, if there's anything else that you you kind of want me to share, Van Kivia, please let me know. I'd be happy to do that. No, I think that um, that was great. Um, it sounds like you have a lot of experience working with 10 years of experience working with this population. So I'm sure that you will have a lot to to offer us in our conversation. Um, so, yo, thank you for sharing that information with us. Um, um, I guess if we want to jump right into our conversation, before we kind of talk about the actual center, um, Katie, do you mind sharing us, sharing with us what got you interested in working with justice involved populations um, at the very, in the very beginning? Yeah, that's a great question. So it was actually because of my internship. Um, I was very much interested in women and interested in mental health and substance use. And so at the time, um, being a bachelor level student, I wasn't able to um, necessarily go into a, a hospital, which was actually my original area of focus that I wanted to to do, which now I think back on that, I think, oh no, that is that is not for me. But um, that was kind of the 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 seed that helped um, really blossom into this wonderful um, adventure and blessing of of being at Benedict Center and working with the women that we did. So I, it started off as my as my bachelor level internship. Um, in 20, 2010. And I just, honestly, I fell in love with um, Benedict Center's mission, our, our approaches that we use, and then first and foremost, the women that we serve. I mean, you know, when anybody's talking to me, um, that is what I, I repeatedly am, am focusing on and talking about is the resiliency and the strength and the amazement that that the women that we we serve have, and that's been the true honor of of my career is working working with our clients. So that's what initially started um, this kind of love um, of of working with women in the criminal justice system. It started at Benedict Center, and that's why I've been been there for over ten years now. Um, yeah, and that, that sounds great. I feel like um, it's so hard to get, you know, those experiences at a bachelor level. Uh, but when you do get the experience, like you really get to see a lot and you you do grow a lot of love for the area. Um, and it makes you want to work even more in this area because there's so much work that needs to be done. So thank you for sharing that with us. Um, you said that this has been an adventure for you. Um, do you care to, you know, thinking about, Thinking back on like the last 10 years that you've been working there, um, what has your experience been like, you know, working with this population? And um, I guess I'm looking more of like, you know, what has been challenging working in this area, but what have also been some of the great things about working in this area? Yeah, that's a great question. So, I mean, some of the the great things about working in this area is first and foremost, you know, like I was I was talking about the women that we serve. Um, you are not going to find um, more, you are not going to find individuals who are quite frankly as amazing as as the, the clients that we serve. Um, they have, they have had so much 
that they've had to overcome. There's been so much adversity and to still be able to like rise above and be in a place where they are willing to continue to receive help and support and wanting to better themselves and move forward um, in their lives, but not only for them, for their children and their families. It's, it's truly an honor and a blessing and an inspiration to be able to walk next to the, the clients that we serve with them in their, their healing journeys. So that is first and foremost, that's been um, the, the absolute best part about, about um, the work that, that I do. Um, another is the different approaches that we use at Benedict Center um, and specifically in our reentry program. Um, you know, we, we pride ourselves on being, um, taking a harm reduction approach, being trauma-informed, having a strength-based perspective, being gender responsive, meeting the needs of um, women in particular, and being culturally reverent, and um, being able to do that within a holistic setting. And of course, that changes a little bit when we're um, talking about a correctional institution and trying to make that as trauma-informed and holistic and healing as we can. But being able to um, facilitate those those approaches and working with women is just, I, I feel like you don't, don't really, you don't really get that at other agencies. And you certainly don't get that at um, bigger, bigger institutions like hospitals and and all of that. Um, some of the major challenges that um, we've seen over the years is, um, I mean, honestly, just the systems at play. Um, you know, we know that systems were designed and made to not support people. Um, and we see that time and time again, not only with, you know, the larger systems at play, but in individual and in the individual work that we do with women in being able to bridge the gap and connecting them to services between, you know, when they're getting, when they're incarcerated and when they're getting released. And this goes into um, things like the court systems, attorneys, but it also goes into things like um, in Wisconsin, we we used to have it where um, a lot of our clients are on Medicaid, which is our forward health insurance. And as soon as they would become incarcerated, they would have their insurance turned off. Well, that creates a huge um, gap in being able to provide women with services for when they get released. Um, you know, we know that there's different pathways that lead women into the criminal justice system. We know that um, there's, you know, the socioeconomics, there's, you know, poverty, there's gender-based violence. Um, there's all of these different, obviously, um, women, um, race is, a, is also a big factor in that when we look at the population between, you know, um, in our program, we, and this is not necessarily representative of the whole who is um, who is at CRC, but in our population last year alone, we worked with 50% of the 
of the women that we worked with identified as black and about a little less than 40% of the, the women that we worked with identified as white. And so um, you're looking at a lot of injustices as to why women are coming into a custodial, custodial setting like the CRC in the first place. And there's a breakdown of all of these systems that happen that really create these injustices for women and their families. And so trying to, as advocates, that's one of the, the um, biggest approaches that we take on in our direct practices that we provide is being an advocate um, with women, is um, seeing this, this breakdown in systems and services and really trying our best to, to bridge that, that gap. I, I do just want to note, though, um, during the pandemic, um, the um, DH, Wisconsin DHS did actually change their, their Medicaid policy for people who are incarcerated. So now when they come into custody, their, um, their insurance is suspended. So we are actually able to still set up appointments for them for immediately when when they get released from custody, which is which has been a huge um, game change for us. And it's been something that um, I myself and Benedict Center have been advocating for um, since I came into the role um, of Associate Director of the Women's Reentry Program back in 2016. Uh, I really like the idea, like you were talking about, of a holistic approach. Um, it seems like what you've really valued, um, and you mentioned this earlier, was those... Um, that resiliency and strength that mm -hmm. the women demonstrate, um, as well as the, like you said, the approaches that y'all use to foster that uh, resiliency and strength and to advocate for these individuals. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, we know that um, being incarcerated creates a major disruption in the lives of the women that we serve. And it's not only them, it's their children, their families, and then it's it's our communities. And so when women are coming into a correctional facility, um, like for us, the CRC, I mean, they're, they have their rights, responsibilities, um, roles, and identities that they have. They're, they're literally immediately taken away from them. And it's this is this is why our women's reentry program really prides itself on um, using a trauma-informed approach and being 100% voluntary so that women get to have that choice and control over the services that they receive from us and when they receive those services. Um, but we have to walk when we have to walk with women in their their journey. And that's part of the harm reduction approach that we take at, at Benedict Center is, you know, any movement in in a positive direction of change is beneficial for everybody. It's beneficial for that um, the client that we're working with and it's, it's beneficial for their family and our community. And so, um, you know, really tailoring certain aspects of our program to really promote um, collaboration, um, being client centered and, and advocacy is really, really important. Yeah, I agree. Um, all of those things are very important. And like we've talked about this before on here, uh, like on this podcast of just like women are really neglected and their needs um, 
are really neglected. And so sometimes we don't really understand what it is the best way to um, support them or uh, to treat them. And so I, I really like these approaches and um, for reentry. And I, I know that reentry is not always a pretty journey. Um, and it could be up and down. So I'm wondering, you know, just in your experience, what have been the challenges with reentry um, for these women or that have made it difficult for them to, yeah, reenter? Essentially, that's the question. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I think, again, having working with different systems, I mean, when you're working within a correctional institution, there's there's barriers within that institution, no matter um, how great our partnership is, because I do want to note that we do, we do have a fantastic partnership with the CRC. They've been really amazing in allowing us to um, take the lead and acknowledging that um, we are experts in knowing the services um, and creating gender responsive services for the women. And they've really allowed, you know, me over the years to kind of take the lead in, in the different services that, that we do provide in supporting that. So um, I do just want to, you know, um, acknowledge that, but it's, it's this kind of breakdown of, um, I think, like literally, um, geographically, where we're located. A lot of the, the women that we work with are um, in Milwaukee, the city of Milwaukee, and CRC is located in Franklin, Wisconsin. So um, for, for those of you that don't know, that's probably anywhere between like a 20 to 30 minute car drive. Um, and so there's just this breakdown of um, that it's it's common for there to be a breakdown in getting women connected to services. Again, when women get connected or excuse me, when women get incarcerated, um, you know, when we're talking about CRC, we're working with an array of, of um a different popu populations as to why women are incarcerated there. We're working with um, women who are pretrial, who have open cases. We're working with women who have been sentenced and have release dates. We're working with women who are maybe coming into custody on a violation on probation hold. So they have no idea how long they are going to be at CRC for. It could be three days. It could be three months you know, they, they don't really know. Um, there's a breakdown of communication that happens between, you know, POs and clients when they get incarcerated. Um, and, you know, I think there's a variety of different reasons that that can happen. I think one of the reasons is because there is this literal physical distance that happens. Um, and, and so, you're fine. Um, it seems like you're talking about like the actual geographical location makes it difficult for um, the clients to even access different resources. Is that accurate? Yes, that is definitely true. So that's, I think, part of it is that physical, um, mm -hmm. that physical location, but it absolutely goes back to the breakdown in systems. And I will say that I do think um, 
Milwaukee County is is really working on and our our philosophy is there is no wrong wrong door approach. Um so I think we're getting we're getting better and I've I've seen that we've had a change in administration and we've we've noticed that there are positive changes that are happening um and, and being able to stream streamline services to clients but um that's the big thing that we really focus on is connecting women to long-term supports when they get get released from from custody okay yeah do you want me to talk a little bit about the different like services that we offer in women's reentry yeah let's start there okay um okay so when we're kind of talking about women's reentry, I like to think of it as an umbrella. And then we kind of have two different subsets of services or service delivery models that we offer. So we have on-site reentry services um, for women who are incarcerated. And then we also have what we call community-based reentry services. And that's working with women before they get released, but also once they return home. Um, and so, um, we, in our on-site reentry services, there's different tiers, there's different levels of um, engagement that women can participate in. And so um, I don't, I'm going to just kind of like explain the layout of CRC, because I think that kind of helps with the service delivery model that we offer is um, the Community Reintegration Center um, offers a dormitory style approach to incarceration. So it's not single cells that individual individuals are in. It's, it's a dorm. And that dorm can house up to um, 60, 60 individuals. It's, it's a bunk bed style. And so our women's reentry program is located on site there. We have an office right in, we have two offices actually, right in that area of where um, the women are located, and we are constantly going in and out of that dorm all throughout the day. And so by doing that, obviously we're creating this, this physical um, presence and visibility for the women that we're working with. And, and they know from the work that we do um, by doing, you know, regular um, program shout outs, um, working with women one-on-one, -on -one, that when we come in um, the dorm, they can approach us and immediately um, ask for assistance with whatever they need help with. Um, so they can approach us that way. And then there's also what we call request slips. So basically it's a piece of paper that they fill out that then um, the programs officers will deliver to us and we will then know um, we need to go meet with certain individuals to address whatever it is they need assistance with. So um, for our clients, it can be a one-time case management. It can be, you know, maybe they want us to reach out to their attorney and they don't know what's going on with their, their court hearing next month. And, um, so we reach out to their attorney. That's a big thing that we do is we act as liaisons. So liaison advocates, really kind of connecting and bridging that gap between, again, these different systems, um, the court system, attorneys, um, 
probation, DOC, Department of Corrections. Um, and so, so we can act as um, advocates and, and liaisons and reaching out to them. So that can be one time. We can work with them as much as they want on however many different, you know, case management um, needs that they have and they want assistance with, as well as providing them with um, individual therapeutic sessions. Um, we know that, um, I, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but we know, I, th I think the percentage is 77 to 98. Um, don't quote me on that, but we know that like up to 98% of women who are incarcerated have experienced some form of trauma in their lives. And from my experience, most of the time, it's not just one singular traumatic event that's happened to them. It is complex, compounded, repeated traumas. And so um, when women become incarcerated and they have this forced sobriety, um, it's common for that trauma that they've experienced to begin to resurface. And so that can really, as one might imagine, return to the forefront of their of their everyday existence of, you know, while they're incarcerated. And so this is why um, we do offer individual and group work that really primarily focuses really heavily on regaining, having that, that individual regain that sense of control and providing them with present focus techniques and tools that that they can use um, while they're incarcerated to really deal with those overwhelming negative emotions that they have um, during their incarceration state, but also they can use for when they get released as well. And so there's this individual work that happens that, again, like I said, can be a one-time thing. It can be numerous times. It can be um, individual sessions where we're providing that therapeutic emotional support. Um, we talked about the disruption that happens to, to women when they become incarcerated. And so there's a lot of different facets in their life that they need support with. Um, and not only in terms of, you know, advocacy and case management, but also in terms of, you know, interpersonally providing that, that therapeutic support to them. And so that's why we have um, kind of the different tiered, different layers of um, participation engagement that, that we have. So that's on-site reentry services that we offer. Um, and then we offer community-based reentry services. And that's really providing this flexible um, wraparound approach to working with women. Um, so we work with women um, while they're incarcerated and then once they get released. So we can work with women um, for, you know, 60 to 90 days before they're scheduled to be released from custody. Um, and we work with them to provide them with a gender responsive assessment that's really looking at um, her strengths, her protective factors, but also looking at risks and needs. And then from that assessment, um, really working with, with that client and driving a discussion um, between the reentry staff and the client to collaborate together on what that individual wants her reentry goals to be and what's going to take priority to be addressed. Um, but there's this real emphasis that 
our our case plan, just kind of like the rest of the work that we do, it really needs to be client driven because I can have a look in a look at an assessment from a client and um, see that you know based off of this, what this individual has told me, X Y Z is going to be really important for. Um, their reentry and their recovery efforts. But if that's not what that individual wants, um, that's not what they want to work on, it's not going to be productive or beneficial for anyone. And so that's, again, kind of going back into that um, harm reduction approach and having a, a trauma, using trauma-informed principles is is placing that that power and control back into the client's, the client's hands and walking with them in their journey and having them take the lead. And so um, with our community-based reentry services, you know, we do all of that before they get released. And then reentry staff on their day of release, we pick that individual up um, from CRC and we've already kind of pre-planned and triaged the immediate needs that need to take place that first day and that second day um, that, that they're released from custody. So um, we will work with women to um, get into our women's harm reduction program, which is our outpatient mental health and substance use treatment facility um, to get an intake appointment, get them connected, you know, immediately to those mental health and substance use services. Um, because we know in our reentry program that over 70% of the women that we've worked with um, last year alone, and these, these percentages, numbers have been consistent, have identified that they have a substance use history. Over 65% of the women that we worked with um, have identified that they have mental health conditions that they um, you know, need assistance with, want assistance with. And so being able to provide that con continuum of care from our reentry program into our women's harm reduction program um, really helps to streamline those services. And it helps to bridge the gap, like we were talking about earlier, between um, an individual not getting their needs met. So we can do that on their first day. Um, we will have that set up an appointment to have a client see either um, their already established or a newly established primary care physician to address the, the physical um, health issues that they have. Um, so we can do that. We, we work with probation and parole. <clears throat> we get them into to housing. That's a huge thing. That's you know, all over the, the United States housing is housing insecurity is a major issue. And Milwaukee is, um, is, is right in line with that as well, unfortunately. And so really working with that individual in that really critical 24 to four, 48 hour period, um, which we know is, is such a critical time period for, for individuals who are who are getting released. And so again, when we're talking about bridging the gap, that's what we're doing. We're we're picking them up, triaging their needs and working with them and walking with them um, and advocating with them in in that journey. So and another thing about um, our reentry program is when women participate in our community-based reentry services, we're able to provide them with free cell phones and data plans. Um, and that's something that started in our women's reentry program back in, I believe, 2018. 
um, I was kind of asked to, you know, look at how can we connect um, women to technology? Is there a need? Is there an area for this? And, you know, working with um, the women, I knew right away we needed to connect them to what I deem as a critical essential need, which is a cell phone um, and data plans that go with that. Because um, what we had found out previously is when trying to work with women after they got released, many individuals are not going to be able to have their cell phone turned on right away. So if they can't have their cell phone turned on right away, how are they supposed to be able to reconnect with um, our reentry staff? And how are they supposed to connect with other service providers in our community to get them um, the assistance that that they need. And so that's something, thankfully, we have been able to continue to do um, going on on five years now. And it's it's been proven to be really beneficial. Um, so we will work with women who are in our community-based reentry services um, for the goal is three to six months for when they get released from from custody. And we work on um, those case plan goals that they have. But the ultimate goal is after they've reached those those goals, they've completed that. um, The ultimate goal is to connect them to long term formal supports, as much as we would like sometimes in our reentry program um, to be able to work with women longer. um, It's just um, the ultimate goal is to get them into those long term formal formal supports um, that can work with them for as long as they need. And so that's why we connect them to um, our mental health and substance use out, outpatient treatment facility and other services in our community where there can be established care for a longer time period. I think um, listening to that, I, I noticed some common themes of, among both of the um opportunities that women have and um you can correct me if I'm wrong on this for sure but it seems like both of them really offer that idea of personal agency so like you said allowing the women to take control of their reentry journey so the services that they feel are best for them um as well as what their immediate needs um continuum of care I know that that's a, a a really big thing that people are pushing for now, and that seems like that's um, I see I hear it definitely offered in the community base, but even in the reentry on site, like that continuum of care and getting people the necessary care they need after release. And then um, one thing I'm I'm hearing for sure is advocacy in multiple different ways of which advocacy can show up in of if that's getting them to the necessary supports that they need, of helping them with their goals. Um, triage different their immediate needs on the first and second day out those are some common things that I was picking up on as you were talking about those things yeah so I mean it is our reentry staff it's our women's reentry staff um but it's really seeing again we're talking about like bridging the gap that's kind of like one of the major themes that I think we've been talking about um Vancouver and um when we can see these different systems in place our reentry staff is you know, we're constantly working with women. And when we see that there's a gap, there's an area where there we need to bridge some communication and some advocacy needs to happen, um, that's when we do that. So our reentry staff works with women on what their needs are and, you know, acting as a liaison between 
um, communicating and linking women to the dis- different systems, whether that's their attorney, the, the court system, the judge, um, their probation agent, um, all of these all of these external entities outside of CRC. Yeah, and I think that that's a even critical role, like a critical role to have, because a lot of times when these individuals are coming out of the system or um, in whatever fashion that they are involved, they don't know these things and they don't have the people around them to support or show them how to, you know, work with an attorney on that or how to go to this housing place. So I think having that liaison advocate is like very important. I I totally agree. And also, unfortunately, um, a lot of times women are not given or individuals, I should say, but we work with women. So, you know, individuals are, are not given that voice and that power and that ability to, to be able sometimes to advocate for themselves, even if they, you know, are, are able to, and they've been trying to. Unfortunately, sometimes it looks different when you have someone who is deemed as a professional reaching out to these other systems um, and advocating. Yeah, that's very true too. Um, yeah, that is, that is very true. And I, I, that's why I was like, I love that role so much of, you know, just being able to do that for these individuals. There's a lot of investment into the women. Um, and there's a lot that they can get out of this program that could potentially set them up for success when they leave. Um, but with the main goal of, like you said, trying to connect them with more long-term formal supports. Is that um, accurate? Absolutely. You know, thinking more broadly about reentry, is there anything else that the Benedict Center does to, you know, support reentry in other ways, whether even if it's not just through the programs? Yeah. Um, I mean, we do have, um, you know, different programs that, that we offer. Um, and I can, I can talk a little bit about those if you want me to, Van Kivia. Yeah, we can go there. Okay. Um, so a little bit about the the different programs that we do offer is, um, first and foremost, kind of what we've been talking about is we have programs that provide direct practice services. So services that are um, directly working with women. Um, and I'll talk about those in in a second, but we do offer from kind of like a macro systems change perspective, we have a com- excuse me, a community justice program. And that is really looking at um, systems change and how we can advocate for change in the system. Because, um, you know, we really need to be saying like the carceral system, or like you mentioned, Van Kivia, the the legal system, justice within the the framework of the criminal justice system. I think a lot of people would argue um, there isn't justice in that. And so, um, that's that's what we do at Benedict Center is kind of um, working from that that systems perspective and advocating and working towards um, sustainable changes um, on the ground level, but also you know the community, state, and and nationally. So we do have that community justice program, and then the other um, programs that we offer, we have like I mentioned before, is our women's harm reduction program. And that is our mental health and substance use outpatient treatment facility. Um, We work with women who are on 
um, probation and parole. They receive treatment services from us. We work with women in early intervention, um, where I mentioned before on essentially contracts from the court system through um, deferred prosecution agreements or diversion agreements. And we also work with um, Milwaukee County and um, comprehensive community services to work with um, women who have been impacted by the carceral system and need mental health or substance use services. And so um, that is an excellent program. That was our original program and everything has kind of um, branched out. The other programs have branched out from, from WHRP. Um, and then we have our sisters program and our sisters program is a drop-in center. We have two site locations for that on the North and South side of Milwaukee. And that is, um, they are working with women who have, um, been, sorry, um, our sisters program it has two drop-in site locations on the north and south side of Milwaukee, and they provide services to women who have been engaged in the sex trade, and they provide them with um, respite, hospitality services, case management services. Um, we have an outreach team that does a phenomenal job of um, <clears throat> um going on the streets and working with women to provide them with um, case management assistance that they may they may need, but also um, hospitality services, food, condoms, and safer sex education materials. Um, and so that is that is our sisters program. Yeah, so Benedict Center is really well-rounded in supporting women involved in the criminal justice system in general. Um, it's not just tailored to women's reentry. There are a lot of services offered that people could, women could benefit from um, by going there, whether you're formerly incarcerated, currently incarcerated, is that, that's what it seems like. Yes, absolutely. We have, um, unfortunately there has been, and we are trying to break, break this cycle of, you know, unfortunately, there being a revolving door, and it is not uncommon for us to work with the same clients um, at different points in their lives, and so throughout all of our our programs. And so we're really working on on breaking that that cycle. But all of the services that we do offer are specifically tailored for women um, and women who have been impacted by the carceral system. Yes, ma'am. Um, and so I guess one of the questions I also want to ask you is if people wanted to get involved with um, the Benedict Center, support, advocate, how could they do that? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, you can, I would say, find us on social media. Um, we're Benedict Center. So you can find us on Facebook um, or Instagram or LinkedIn. And if you go to our website, um, I think we have a great layout of all the different um, services that we offer and how you can connect to the different um, different volunteer opportunities that we do have. But I mean, essentially, you can like old style, like call or email and connect to us that way and um, ask about volunteer opportunities. 
Yeah, I think that's great. I think, you know, audience would benefit from, you know, knowing how to get involved and ways that they can support. And I'll make sure that I put social media um, platform information for Benedict Center in the bottom, as well as their website, so people can access it there. Um, and I guess the last question here before we get off of here that I generally like to ask is, you know, if you could leave the audience with one thing to remember about the Benedict Center or just about working with women involved in the um, justice system, what would that be? Um, that's a really powerful question. Um, I think it would absolutely, it would be focused on the women that we serve and the strength and the power that they and resiliency that they possess is really um insurmountable. The one of my favorite quotes is um there is no force equal to a woman who is determined to rise. And that is the epitome of the women that we serve. They are determined to rise despite the adversity that they have continuously been through and fought through in their life. They continue to rise and have a sincere desire to move forward and create um, a life for themselves and their children and their families that is, is one of prosperity. And it has just been such an honor and a privilege. Again, like I've said throughout this, um, this podcast, Van Kivia, um, but it really has been an honor to walk with them in, in their healing journey. Yeah, and I think that that's important is that to, like you said, to recognize that strength, recognize that resiliency, mm -hmm. um, because that is very important and that helps them get through a lot of this. Um, and we, we don't realize how resilient some of these women are, um, and the stories that they carry with them. So. I do thank you for, you know, sharing that with us. And before we get off here, I do want to say, audience, I hope y'all enjoyed this conversation. Um, I hope you're enjoying the series so far. Be sure to go back and listen to the other episodes if you haven't had the opportunity to do that. Um, there's so much that we can learn from just... Um, reading or listening here about women's experiences you never know who may need this information or if you know somebody uh, that is personally going through this experience as well and is in milwaukee and needs to be connected um so I encourage you all to go back and listen to these episodes and reach out to us if you have topics or um, you know people that would be interested in sharing their story on here. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram at More Life the Reentry Podcast to learn more information about what we'll be sharing throughout the series. And um, I'll make sure I put all the information for the Benedict Center in the bottom of the description. Um, but I do thank y'all for tuning in with us today and have a great day and happy Women's History Month. Thank you so much, Van Kivia. Thank you.